What's shaking? You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Caleb Anderton, your resident naughty typo. Uh, Evan Peterson, currently hiding under a blanket. And Justin Porter, just as predictable as ever. Ah, uh, yes. I have I have convinced Evan to join me in the blanket crew. Um, we are trying desperately to get you guys the best audio quality possible. We'll see if it works. Um, we are sacrificing our comfort and some of our dignity for you, so I hope you appreciate it. Well, we got a new month, so we have a new mini-arc that we're going to be experiencing, and the setting that we're going to be going with today is a wilderness nuclear apocalypse sort of situation. Um, Hiking combined with the nuclear apocalypse. So we're going to start out uh, with our ideation. Um, We're going to give some little monologues, uh, experiences that we've had in real life, based off of these concepts of either hiking or the nuclear apocalypse. And then we're going to use that as a pool of ideas from which we can draw throughout the rest of this little mini arc. So I will start us off. Uh, I do quite a bit of hiking um, for the past several summers. I've gone on some fairly large hiking trips and a couple summers ago, um, it was Canada's 150th birthday and to celebrate they were giving free admission to all national parks in Canada. Um, I, living in Idaho, was like, hey, this is a good opportunity. We should go take advantage of this. So a couple friends and I, we did a little loop up through British Columbia um, and then back down through Alberta. And at the very north uh, of our trip, we went to Jasper National Park and we had a plan to go to a place called Tonquin Valley. Um, And we did not plan very well. We got there way too late and couldn't get a campsite. So we slept in the car near the trailhead, which was um, not something we were supposed to do, but we didn't get caught. And now I'm airing that to the entire internet. So uh, I guess we'll see if any repercussions come from that. And so, yeah, we woke up the next morning and we also didn't plan our itinerary super well. We hiked half a marathon to get to our campsite Uh, that night, a lot of it going up some really, really nasty switchbacks. And we get to Tonquin Valley and we're like, okay, this is going to be great. Beautiful lake, lots of rivers all around the place, this nice little bowl. Uh, Turns out we went at the wrong time of the year, though, because it was a mosquito breeding season. And there were, like, I, I didn't take the time to count, but I would not be surprised if there were billions, like legitimately billions of mosquitoes in this valley at that time. And so we'd planned, okay, we're going to stay in this campsite for two nights in a row, and that'll give us one day in between to just kind of hike around, explore the lake, explore the mountains around the valley. And we ended up just staying in our tent the entire day because the mosquitoes were just too bad and uh, we did not want to be eaten alive. So we spent an entire day just kind of wasting away in the tent and then we hiked another half of a marathon to get out of there. And that was our that was the apex of our trip, or what was supposed to be the apex of our trip. Um, so yeah, that's what that reminded me of. Uh, let's uh, go down our list. Caleb, uh, what kind of story you got for us? Um, I don't have too many experiences with uh, the apocalypse. Um, 
yet, but as most of us do, um, I have some experiences with like global pandemics and things like that, uh, which is a weird thing to be able to say. But um, I just remember like, especially when all of the stuff with COVID-19 started, just kind of the, the group mentality that like, oh, this is the end of the world. And like almost just an acceptance, like from everybody, like this is how we all go. Cool. Like, I, I don't know. It was almost, it was almost funny. Like, I mean, it was funny <laughs> anyway. Um, but like, I found myself thinking, this is like stuff that I remember finding myself thinking, like making plans for later in the year and then thinking like as a joke in my head, but then like by and by it turned into a little bit more serious. I was like, oh, it, it doesn't matter. The world would be ended by that time anyway. And then I'm like, wait, no, what am I talking about? Like, this is fine. We're going to be good. We're going to make it through this. But like, I just am picturing people in an apocalyptic situation, like for real and wondering if they would have similar thoughts and feelings and stuff like that. And I feel like that's a fun space to play in. Maybe we'll have a bit more experience with the apocalypse that we can bring to this than we had initially thought. <laughs> okay. Uh, Evan, what you got for us? Um, so I was a Boy Scout for a number of years, and I was uh, pretty miserable at it, all things considered. I didn't get a, a lot of merit badges, never got my Eagle Scout. Um, so I'm not much of a hiker or wilderness survivor. But what I did get to do was work at Scout Camp. And while I worked at Scout Camp, I got to assist once with what they called the first aid demonstration during the wilderness survival campout, which was uh, the staff and some of the scouts would hike out into the woods a little ways and build shelters. And then later in the week, they would have to go spend a night in their shelters as one of the requirements for the wilderness survival merit badge. But since it's Scout Camp and we like to go a little extra, uh, what they did is they used stage makeup and an old deer bone and they plastered it onto my arm and doused it in fake blood. Uh, took me up to where the kids were all asleep, had me lay down in the trail uh, and begin screaming bloody murder as loud as I could, clutching at my arm in pain. Uh, and all the kids would wake up, run outside, and see me on the ground, and the staff demonstrated, without the kids knowing it was fake, uh, how to properly handle a first aid situation. So getting to traumatize young people while I worked at scout camp is uh, pretty high on my list of wilderness survival experiences. <laughs> uh, the things that you do when you're working at scout camp. Now, a little bit of background for our listening friends. Evan and I met working at this scout camp back in the day. Yes, indeed we did. All right. And JP, what you got for us? Well, I got two experiences, both on the same hiking trip. Um, the only real, most of my hiking experiences were, because I wasn't a scout, but, but because um, I was in Australia, they didn't really have those. And... Um, but we had some with our church and so my dad would come along with us and so we would do we did this one that was like a weekend of a hike and it was like the whole like there's like a lot of people there because it was different different churches or whatever they were all there and um the one thing i remember was being american we were they made hamburgers for dinner they had brought it up and made it or whatever and we're going down the line to get our hamburgers and australians like beets on their hamburgers 
and you know Americans do not and I we were going down the line and they go to offer to put it on my dad's burger and my dad says no thank you and then the Australian <laughs> Australian guy says you'll take it you'll take a beat and you'll like it and then he puts the beat on there and he goes damn Yankees <laughs> and then my dad <laughs> Um, we sat down by the fire and my dad goes, this is what I think about beats. I just threw it in the fire. <laughs> and um, so there was that experience. But then also later, there is being a church thing. There would be like sermons, you know, and we would be out there. And this one guy talked about how, you know, revelations and all that stuff about what the last days were going to be like. And instead of ending it on a happy note, he ends it up and goes, brethren, this is the end of the world. And I was 12 years old at the time. And one of my church leaders just told me that it was the end of the world. And I was pretty freaked out. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> CP, I've, I've known you for like over two years. And I just barely learned that you lived in Australia. Yes, I did. From uh, 1998 to 2000. Or no, yeah, 1998 to about 2002. Wow. Today I learned. I was uh, the ages of two to uh six during that time <laughs> yes i am i am old <laughs> yeah evan is our resident baby in the group here i'm what's keeping this podcast hip and relevant with the young folk oh <laughs> uh, yeah well it's okay you can hang out with the big kids uh all right well with that in mind uh let's kind of construct this world that we're going to be in uh, and then figure out what characters are going to inhabit that world so i kind of like the idea of um a bunch of americans have gone to australia to try and go on a hiking trip and something goes incredibly wrong and they're very out of their element so we've got like a backpacking trip in the bush uh, of Australia. Um, this is where JP's expertise will probably come into uh, quite a bit of usefulness because I have never been to Australia and I don't know what the Australian wilderness is like. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Perfect. Perfect. We're going to put you guys in lots of danger. So let's, with that in mind, try and figure out uh, what your characters are going to be. Are you one of the Americans? Are you an Australian uh, who is joining with them? Uh, what's this situation looking like? So, does anybody have an idea so far of what they want their character to be? I do. All right, JP, what you got for us? So, I am John Paisley. I am a father of two beautiful boys, Dave and Buster. Um, and I work as an engineer. Um, that had to move over to Australia to um, set up an office there for this engineering company. Uh, with that, how, how would we distill that down into a nice high concept aspect for you? I am a family man in a new territory. Family man in a new territory. Very nice. Hey, Caleb, before you make anything too official, uh, JP's an American, and if we want an Australian in the group, that means it's either you or I, and you're a professional voice actor, and I'm terrible at accents. So <laughs> I, I got you covered, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we got our family man in a new territory, John Paisley. Um, what are what's something that gets John Paisley in trouble? Oh, in trouble. Um, I'm going to say uh, he's he's in a new place and he definitely is just like, you know, that 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 father of just hasn't really had much experience. Except, um, so I'm going to say like he he's always trying to look out for his two beautiful boys 
and um, he's just yeah, he's just like the normal stereotypical dad. All right. So, uh, to make that into a nice pithy aspect, uh, we might say something like, "I'm doing it for my boys." Sounds good to me. So we've got your high concept and your trouble. Um, what's an additional aspect? Uh, something else that we should know about John Paisley? Um, I'm going to say, well, um, to title it, I'm going to say, in America, we do it this way. Because, um, you know, he's in a new place and he's going to try to, and Americans always try to educate other people. <laughs> so he's going to probably, not in a mean way, be like, you know, America's better than you, but like... Uh, in in a way where he's just going to be like, oh, you guys do things funny. This is how I do it normally. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, what is John's plus three approach? His plus three approach is careful. Careful. Very nice. And uh, what's a cool stunt that John Paisley can do? Can we go back to me on that one? Like, I can think about that. Sure. We'll come back to JP's stunt later. Evan, let's go with you next. Uh, okay. My character's name is uh, Pennysworth McScrooge. Nice. Uh, he's a hedge fund manager in America who was on on holiday in Australia. Can, can you give me a quick refresher on a high concept? It's, it's been a month or two since we've played. Yeah, so your high concept is just like the elevator pitch for who your character is. Like all of their, like their one defining characteristic kind of laid out in a nice pithy little statement uh okay um money makes more sense than people nice okay what's something that gets Pennysworth mcscrooge in trouble i'm gonna name it money can't buy happiness but that just means he tries to throw money at every problem and some problems can't actually be solved with money mm. so he's got an a false concept of what money can and can't get for him to some extent. Mm -hmm. All right, what's one additional aspect? I can't think of any uh, more poetic way to say it other than just that he's actually kind of lonely. I'm just gonna say lonely. Very succinct. What's Pennysworth's plus three aspect? Uh, Approach, rather. He's sneaky. Sneaky, very nice. And do you have a stunt in mind for Pennysworth? I was thinking something like uh, friends in high places, which is uh, he's got a cell phone that he's uh, he's he's got a lot of people who who are doing pretty well that he can contact when he needs uh, assistance with with various matters. Nice. And that will probably come in quite handy for us, given that this is a going to be a post apocalypse sort of situation and communication will be at a premium. Penny's worth McScrooge looking pretty good. Uh, let's go around to Caleb. What do you got for us? All right, my guy is going to be Bingo Dingo. He's going to be just your absolute rough and tumble tour guide uh, out in the bush. Given your history with characters, I just need to confirm real quick, is he a literal dingo or is he a human? <laughs> no, he is a human. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a good clarification. No, he's a human this time. I just thought Bingo Dingo sounded fun. It is a good name. So, uh, this tough-as-nails, bush-exploring explorer man, uh, what's our high-concept aspect for Bingo Dingo? The one that I thought for him was, you gotta be rougher than the roughs. Mm, very nice. We're already getting quite a strong persona for this guy. Uh, what's something that gets Bingo Dingo in trouble? 
He's been around danger in the Australian bush and the outback for so long that he sees everything as a threat, even things that are not. Nice. Always on edge. Yeah. Okay. What's one additional aspect that we should know about Bingo Dingo? So remind me again, the additional aspect is just more information. Yeah, just some additional uh, aspect of Bingo Dingo's personality that you might be able to leverage to your advantage throughout the game or that I might be able to use to cause uh, some interesting conflict here and there. Okay, he also, despite seeing the danger in everything, he can find beauty in just about anything. That's why he's so passionate for that. He's got a bit of Steve Irwin in him. He's just, he can see two, you know, of the most dangerous creatures out there just like wrestling and he's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Nice. I think, oh, it's so beautiful might be a good way to phrase that aspect. I like it. What is Bingo Dingo's plus three approach? Forceful. Mm, he sounds like a very forceful man. And do you have a stunt in mind for Bingo Dingo? Um, I think going along with being rougher than the roughs, I think I'm going to call the stunt Wrestle It Down. Nice. Uh, what kind of effect are you going to get from Wrestle It Down? Just being able to jump in there head first, hands first, and literally wrestle a problem into submission, whether that is uh, a problem out in the, the woods or sometimes or out, out in the bush or maybe sometimes other problems that uh, wouldn't necessarily be solved by wrestling. Yeah, and I really like that little aspect about putting it into submission, kind of getting it where you want it to be. Yeah. Very nice. That gives us a nice fleshed out look at Bingo Dingo. Uh, JP, do you have an idea for John Paisley's stunt yet? I do, and I am effectively naming it, This is My Beautiful Family. Um, and basically, it's just I can connect with other families through my stories of my family. So if we run into any other families on this wilderness expedition, I'll be able to connect with them by showing them photos of my family and telling them about my the history of my beautiful wife, my two beautiful boys. Uh, and can you just real quick remind me uh, the names of your two beautiful boys? Uh, Dave and Buster. Dave and Buster. <laughs> I love that. Man, we've got some fun social stunts this time around. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes. All right. Well, now that we have our characters ready to go, let's kind of uh, set the stage for this situation in which we find ourselves. So coming into it kind of in media res, you all have come together um, for your various reasons to go on this wonderful trip out to the bush of Australia. Um, Bingo Dingo, you have been hired as a guide for Pennysworth McScrooge and John Paisley. Um, John, have you brought your boys with you on this expedition, or are they safe home in America? No, I have brought them with me on this, this trip. <laughs> All right. So we've got some uh, potential collateral damage to watch out for there. Um that's a really terrible way of putting it. We've got some wonderful NPCs who are going to be joining us <laughs> on this trip. <laughs> um, okay. And so you decided you wanted to give your boys a nice taste of the wonderful outdoors um, and Pennysworth McScrooge. Um, were you expecting to go camping when you decided to go on holiday in Australia? Or was there something else that you were hoping to do and then eventually kind of got tied into this? Oh, uh, absolutely not. Um, the uh, expedition service, the company that I planned my vacation through, handed me the uh, wrong sheet of paper. And mm. I thought I was signing up to judge a beach volleyball competition. Um, but 
they actually put me on this and uh since i had already put in the down payment uh, i've never i've never wasted a penny in my life so I, i just had to go through with it nice so yeah you've been out in the bush for let's say um just a day or so at this point you're getting ready to uh pack it down for the night you've been hiking way too long um bingo dingo is very zealous and has decided to have you guys walk an entire half marathon before uh, you bed down for your first night. Um, But the sun is just starting to set across the horizon. You're getting those nice long shadows uh, across this dry landscape, and the dark blue is just starting to rise up from the eastern side of the sky, and you can see a couple stars here and there. So, bingo. Uh, what made you decide that this would be a good place to set up camp for the night? Well, as you can see, there are several rocks around. Haven't seen any of them for about 87 kilometers, so signs of rocks are signs of life. It's a good thing. We'll stay here for the night, ladies. Um, sir, if I may ask you a question. You may. I've always wondered on these, on these expeditions, how come, uh... How come we hike when it's like a million degrees out and then and then sleep when it's nice and cool? Why not hike at night when it's cool and then, and then we can, you know, find shade by one of these rocks to sleep during the day, right? You think, you um, think- I'm going to answer you right there, actually. Um, we have, I have two beautiful boys here who are the age of 12 and 10 and they have a a strict sleeping schedule. So it is eight o'clock that they need to be met before it gets dark. So, um, which I was going to ask you about, um, I have this tent that I bought at Costco and I was going to set it up right here. I just want to make sure, is, is this safe from, you know, any of those wilderness like spiders and stuff? I've, I've watched many, many documentaries that the spiders here in Australia are just so, the, the most dangerous in all of the world are all in Australia and I have a family to worry about. It's true. And uh, if you think that the, uh, the dangers a bed during the day. You should see what it's like at night. That's why we sleep. And I cover the ears of my my sons as he's saying this. We sleep during the night because we won't run into them out on the prowl. It's the biggins that stay out when everything else goes to sleep. All right, that makes sense. Gentry, and I turn to Gentry, my personal assistant who has been wearing the backpack the entire time. <laughs> Gentry, can you set up camp really quick? I need to. I need to lay down. And he uh, takes the backpack off of his back, and he is just kind of wheezing. He's not even speaking. He's just so out of breath. Uh, he puts the sack down on the ground, and so he starts going about uh, unpacking this. And he's got the poles that are just getting tangled all over the place. Takes a big old swig of water from the canteen and goes about the work of trying to set up this tent for you. Gentry, don't go over your water rations now, okay? Yes, of course, Mr. McScrooge, of course. You all can sleep in tents if you want to, but I don't. It only makes it so that you can't see what's sneaking up on you. Now, boys, he doesn't really mean that. He's a little too, a little too on the, uh, on the scary side. He doesn't really mean that there's anything out there to save us or uh, to get us. We're, we're we're perfectly safe in our tent. I mean, this is the wall of safety 
in this tent. Now, boys, if you would help me set up the tent, um, we'll be able to get to sleep and be able to read you your bedtime story before you go to sleep. Okay, but Dad, like, I've been learning in my conflict management class that all sixth graders are now required to take about uh, conflict avoidance and denialism and whatnot. And it sounds to me like maybe you're trying to sugarcoat things just because you don't want to face the fact that there are real bad things out there. Dave, I want you to wipe that smirk off your face and be able to talk to your father in a better respectful tone. And I don't, I don't approve of what these Australians are teaching you because in America, we teach you about the goodness of our history and, um, and how we need to help each other and uh, all the, all of the above and um, make sure that I, I'm, but I am very, very happy that you are learning and that you are doing your homework on time because we are, we are, a good family. Listen, Paisley, I've never said a word that I haven't meant. And when I decide to try to scare you, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, boys, you go to set the tent and go set up the tent and we'll say our family prayers in a minute. And as you say that, you notice that uh, Buster, your 10-year-old son, he has pulled out some food. He's got a can of beets that he's opened up with the can opener and he's just like spooning them out of the can directly into his mouth. Buster, you know that you get nightmares, right? If you eat um, if you eat right before you go to bed, all that rumbly in your tumbly is going to make you nervous and it's going to have to wake me up in the middle of the night. And I don't want that, so you put that thing away. And you hear Dave from behind you go, oh yeah, that's the reason he's going to have a hard time sleeping not because of all the spiders and snakes. Enjoy your last meal, boys. Uh, they both look up at Bingo Dingo and uh, decide that they don't want to worry about him right now. So they go and they grab the Costco tent and they start setting it up. Uh, just about six feet away or so from where Gentry is just finishing up setting Pennyworth's tent. Um, Mr. Dingo, I'm not sure if you if you have um, any sons or daughters. No. Well, when you become a father, you need to know that you get this sense of, uh, well, you, you, you need to be a better person and you need to be able to watch for the best interests of your sons or daughters. And right now, I feel like you're you're um, stepping over the lines a little bit and scaring my beautiful boys. Hey, Paisley, were you looking out for your kid's best interest when you heard a noise three miles back and ran away, leaving them in the dust? I, I don't think that that was a thing. I was, um, I was, uh, I wasn't scared or anything. I mean, I I have a family to think about. And 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 by the way, you know, I respect you and I respect capitalism, but I think that this is a little little too much to have a this 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 gentleman carry all your luggage you'd be able to take some for yourself i mean we're we're hiking half the fun is the is the pain and the turmoil and the sleeping outside and the having to carry heavy things and watch out for dangerous creatures that's the first thing i've ever heard you say that makes a lick of sense for me half the fun is uh watching you try and be a good parent emphasis on try <laughs> well, I don't know when this became a let's pick on the American moment, but um, I think that I need to get my boys to sleep. Um, it's going to be a long day tomorrow. Why are you calling yourself out as the American? I was born in Oregon, man. Live in New York. Well, from the, the big city or anything, I, oh, well, don't talk to you. He probably owns the place, right? Am I right? Huh. Uh, I own a lot of places. Not this exact place, but... Uh... Yeah, I own some places. No one owns the Outback. I mean, theoretically, probably your government uh, would own the Outback, right? It's a wild place, owned only by the beasts that are rougher than the roughs. 
well, Mr. Dingo, uh, Mr. Pennyworth, uh, good night. It's been it's been a pleasure, and I'm sure that we'll be able to get to know one another even better tomorrow. And at that moment, uh, your digital wristwatch, the alarm that you've set for 8 p.m., starts beeping on your wrist, and you know it's bedtime. 8 p.m. bedtime for your 12 and 10 year old sons. <laughs> and I proceed to go into the tent that we bought on sale at Costco and sent my boys to bed. As you enter the tent, you notice that uh, Dave and Buster are now sharing a jar of Vegemite over some saltines. And when they see you enter the tent, they just quickly stuff it into one of the pillowcases and (laughs) get into their sleeping bags. All right, boys, let's get down and say prayer and um, we'll be able to get to sleep tonight and be able to uh, hike tomorrow. And hopefully that those two gentlemen out there will be able to be a little nicer to us. And I'll teach you, I'll teach you a little bit more about respect, respecting your, your fellow beings, especially your fellow Americans, because we are Americans. And they both say in unison, yes, father. Through the tent, you hear, it's a good thing you're saying your prayers. You'll need it. The sun's going down. And that gentry comes up to Penny's Worth and taps you on the shoulder and says, Mr. Scrooge, the tent is ready. And he points towards it in what he hopes is a dignified looking manner and you look over and it's kind of you know lopsided um he missed a couple of the loops that the tent poles were supposed to go through but it is standing do you at least have my chamomile in there yes i started it brewing as soon as you looked away all right gentry hey dingo man um be straight with me now that that guy's gone do you think we're in really any danger here we are always in danger here I see you've got yourself nice and gift-wrapped. I'm just trying to be comfortable, man. I was supposed to be on the beach. And at that, I turn around and just walk towards my tent. And as Penny's Worth uh, starts walking towards the tent, Gentry, who is the only one still out and about, goes up to Bingo Dingo and says, "Uh, Excuse me, sir. Uh, What are the seven most dangerous things that you might encounter out here in the Australian bush? Oh, well... You've got your standard spiders, you've got your snakes, you've got your bearded dragons, which are actually extremely poisonous. Not too many people know that. They even tell you that they're not, but they are. I've seen people die from their bites. Wait, the bearded dragons will tell you that they're not poisonous? With a human voice? If you let them, they will. <laughs> you've also got the dingoes. It's not my last name for nothing. You've got scorpions. You've got bigger snakes. And finally, the worst, most dangerous ones of all are the crocodiles. They don't just live near the water. They've been known to run and run and run for miles and miles and miles through the desert after their prey if they get your scent. That sounds legitimately terrifying. Um, I, I also heard um, there was a little sort of news blip uh, in the airport as we landed. I heard something about the mosquitoes have been transmitting a very uh, unfortunate strain of some kind of virus lately. Have you heard anything about that? You only asked for seven things. That's number ten on the list. Very, very dangerous. But not quite as dangerous as the other things. Okay, okay, yes, thank you, sir. Um, okay. And he starts spraying himself with mosquito spray and just kind of muttering to himself as he starts walking away. I wonder if this stuff respells crocodiles. Oh, man. And uh, he crawls his way into the tent with Penny's Worth 
and eventually, bingo, you are the only one left outside. You see the lights switch off in the two tents, and it's just you and the stars. Bingo Dingo will uh, get his extremely bare-bones sleeping bag, prop himself up on a rock next to the campfire, and he doesn't sleep so much as just eyes the whole surrounding campsite with his eyes half-closed. And as you're just kind of looking about... Uh, to kind of keep yourself entertained during the nights, you've taken up this hobby of trying to count as many shooting stars as you can in the night sky. Uh, the most that you've ever gotten up to before was 17. You felt pretty good about that. And a bit goes by, and you're just counting the shooting stars, and you see one off on in the distance that is very persistent. It starts getting larger and more bright as it continues uh, moving towards you. And after a while, you begin to suspect, maybe this isn't a shooting star. What's going on? And then as it gets very bright and very large, it takes an abrupt dip downward. And you see, before you hear anything, a massive flash of light off on the horizon. It's so bright that Pennysworth and John in your tents, you get this flash across your eyelids and it startles you from your sleep. And bingo, you being outside, you start to see this shockwave emanating outwards from it. Uh, it looks like it hit maybe on the other side of the continent. And after a surprisingly short amount of time, you feel that shockwave wash over you and push you back up against this rock that you were leaning against. Um, those of you in the tents, you feel them starting to flap like crazy. Uh, the tent stakes are pulled up out of the ground and the tents kind of start to roll backwards along with the shockwave. And after a while, the wind dies down and you hurriedly open up your tents to look outside and see what's going on. And you just see this large mushroom cloud rising up on the other side of the horizon. Did my tent survive the shockwave with Gentry's shoddy handiwork? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll a clever check for Gentry to see how well it did. He did surprisingly good. Um, it's still intact, thankfully. Okay, yeah, I'll crawl out then. I turn to my boys and I say, um, okay, stay in the tent and quote your favorite scriptures as I go out and I <laughs> see what's going on. And, uh, Gentry follows Pennysworth outside and he is just shaking, his knees are knocking together, and he turns towards Bingo and says, um, where on the list was nuclear fallout? 17. Wow, so there are a lot of things that are more dangerous than nuclear fallout here in the bush, huh? You have so many more things to worry about, but this may have jumped up the list a bit because it just happened. Yeah, I'm thinking you might just not have much experience with this one guy. Probably should bump, give that one a few promotions. Listen, Pennysworth, I'm still more concerned about the animals that we have to deal with out here. Imagine what a crocodile might look like if it's been mutated, huh? That's, uh, yeah, I've seen Godzilla. Exactly. But this ain't Hollywood. Speaking of things that are in America, we usually have, um, we have a lot of, um, <laughs> experience preparing for sort of things like this and um i just want to know if as being our tour guide our resident tour guide if you have any preparations for us to be able to you know get back home safely i'm always prepared for any eventuality that's why i carry me peck it's got 164 pounds of preparation inside it 
Are you calling it quits already? I'm not calling it quits, but I... <laughs> I know a problem when I see one, and this is a very big problem. Um, I'm just worried about my two beautiful boys and being able to make it home safely to my wife, Mindy, and um, I need to get to work in, in, a, in a couple of days. We've only had uh, so many scheduled days off, and the boys have to go back to school for after the um, summer vacation. Uh, it is December, by the way. Uh, yeah, hey, um, do you think we could sell service out here? We should probably make a few calls, see what uh, the deal with this cloud is, right, Dingo? Do you have like a, I don't know, satellite radio or something? That's not on the list of what I carry as an essential. It's more of a luxury. Alright, well let me check my cell phone. I do consider it essential. And I pull out my cell phone. Uh, Ned, what does the uh, coverage and battery look like? Uh, depends on if you want to use your stunt right now, because you can use it once per session to reach out and contact somebody. If uh, you want to go ahead and use it, then it's surprisingly good reception. Otherwise, it's just barely there, but pretty shaky. All right, I'll use it. I want to uh, call uh, my buddy who uh, works in the uh, Australian... Um, Oh man, I'm proving that I'm an American on this podcast. Uh, he works in the Australian government, the the cabinet, uh, and I'm gonna call him and just see uh, if he can give me a rundown on what exactly just happened. Uh, so yeah, you go to his contact, hit call, and the phone rings for a while, and after a bit, uh, you get a response on the other end, and you can hear sirens in the background. You can hear people shouting and scrambling around, and he goes. Oh, Penny's worth. Oh, goodness, it's... Oh, you're out there in the bush, aren't you? Yeah, man. Uh, we're just seeing the cloud out here. We got hit by a little bit of a shockwave. I know you must be busy, but uh, we're a little lost for information out here. I was wondering if you could give me some intel. Oh, goodness, it's all over the news waves. Nobody expected it. Canada just declared war on the entire world. The Canadians? That's why it was so unexpected, man. They're so nice. It's always the quiet ones. <laughs> Turns out they had a secret missile silo up in Jasper National Park in Alberta, and they just launched missiles all over the place. We're basically in a nuclear post-apocalypse right now. Oh my gosh, did they at least say sorry about it? Well, <laughs> we haven't gotten an official statement from, uh, from Prime Minister Trudeau yet, but I'd imagine that he probably will. We'll just have to wait and see. Alright man, well, uh, you probably gotta get back to work. Thanks for the intel. We'll uh, try and be safe out here. You be safe in there. And as you're going to hang up, he's just like, oh wait, well, well wait a minute, just... And then you uh, hang up, and the signal goes dead. If I heard you correctly, it's the Canadians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they declared war on the uh, entire world, guys. So, um, that's great. I blame socialism. <laughs> Me too, buddy. Me too. Right, ladies. Things have heated up considerably since you first came out on this trek. Do we go home now in the middle of the night? Or do we risk it, wait through the night, and then I take you home via the scenic route? Well, I'd say we did hire you because you are the one with the best knowledge, so I think we'll follow you wherever you go. Yeah, aren't you supposed to guide us on these types of decisions? Which one do you think is safer? I just want to make sure you all get your money's worth. But as you know, I never, never recommend nighttime travel. Well, thanks to Gentry, my tent's all tumbled over now, so... I'm not sure if I've got much to sleep in here. It's just your rep and paper. And you notice that Gentry is trying to pick up the spilled tea set. Um, he's like trying to 
scoop the tea out of the dirt back into the pot so it'll be ready for when you wake up the next morning. (laughs) Gentry, leave it. I suppose if the world is, you know, in a nuclear war, I might have to give up a luxury or two, but make sure my cashmere slippers stay clean. He comes rushing up to you and he says, "Uh, Mr. McScrooge, I, I just started watching Chernobyl. That's not true. I haven't actually started watching it, but I've been meaning to watch it. But I mean, like that radioactive mutation stuff, that sounds pretty bad. I don't want to see what a giant mutant crocodile looks like because I'm sure they mutate like instantly as soon as the radiation hits them. I'm sure that's how it works. That's exactly how it works. I knew it. Okay, yeah, well, uh, Gentry, there's not much we can do, buddy, all right? We just uh, listen to the dingo man over there and uh, he'll get us home safe. And then I, uh, you know, me and Trudeau, uh, we're good buddies. We go way back. So once we get back to civilization, I'll just have to give him a call. I'm I'm sure I can uh, talk him out of this. Okay, yeah, that'll be great. Um, yeah. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And he goes stumbling off. And then from the other tent, you hear, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Dave and Buster stick their heads out of the tent. And they're like, Dad, we're having kind of a hard time going back to sleep. Can we just like... I'm kind of freaked out. Can we just start going? Oh, there's nothing to be worried about, son. Um, I'm here. Your brother's here. And, um, and you know, everything is good under the Lord. Uh, and we will... We'll all be fine. Mr. Dingo here seems to have a plan. Um, and we're just going to follow him and his example. And uh, Mr. Dingo says that we should be good to get a couple of hours of sleep. Right, Mr. Dingo? If you're able to, but you've convinced me. If you're all chomping at the bit so hard to get back to civilization, then we can go. Perhaps we could get there in the brief window before everything's mutated, if we're lucky. All right, sons, you heard Mr. Dingo. So why don't you pack away that tent and uh, we'll we'll go make our trek back home. All right, Dingo man. Part of the package was that you would be our security out here. Uh, but no offense, I'd like to uh, have a little security myself. Do you have any extra weapons on you? I don't know, machetes? Do you carry trank guns or something for this? Absolutely. Which do you want? Oh, uh, one of each. Okay, um, I'll, I'll do the trank gun. I've... Uh, Hunted a lot of game for sport, so uh, I'll just take a shot with that. All right. I'll proceed to pass out the weapons, uh, machetes, trank guns. I've got enough for everybody. You can have one of each if you want. So everybody gets a machete and a trank gun. Uh, How many bladed objects does Dingo carry on his person at any given time? 27. Perfect. Is Dingo based on Ned? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't carry that many knives at once. (laughs) So, yeah, you all being freshly armed um, decide to start preparing for the journey ahead. Dave and Buster with their machetes, they're kind of swiping around at random things. Uh, Buster finds a little cactus that he lops the top off of with surprising ease. And, uh, yeah, they've got the tents all packed up. Gentry has all of uh, Pennysworth stuff packed up as well. And you just have the open expanse ahead of you. You smell that? (sighs) Not really. I mean, smells a little uh, nuclear-y. You've got a good nose on you. Is that? Are we gonna? Are we gonna radiate? That's the smell of nuclear, nuclear stuff. But also, if I'm not mistaken, that's the scent of a pack of rowing crocodiles. Keep your machetes close. And Gentry in the background has also been taking a big whiff. And he goes, 
if I'm not mistaken, I think I also detect a bit of the scent of fear on the air. Sentry, keep your fear to yourself, okay? Yes, sir. And he holds his machete out in front of him with shaky hands. And as you begin stepping out into the unknown, that is where we're going to pick up next time. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Improv Tabletop, where we have a whole bunch of Americans just completely dunking on Americans um, and proving how little we know about Australia. We're going to be back next week with more adventures in the world of the Fallout Back. If you want more, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe you can give us a review. We're on Twitter, at Improv Tabletop. If you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, tweet about us using hashtag ImpTab setting or hashtag ImpTab aspect. That's ImpTab, I-M-P-T-A-B. Let's do a round of plugs. As always, we've got our sister podcast, iCast Fireball, in which I play a kobold druid. That's going pretty well. And in addition to that, I've started another new project in which I am chronicling all of the projects that I have started and failed. Um, and I'm putting together a website for that. That is, uh, you can find that at nedsfailures.blogspot.com. <laughs> and I'm just going to, like, you can go there and see everything that I've, you know, felt so passionately about in the moment. But after a couple of weeks, realized that maybe I'm better off just sticking with what I know. Um, Caleb, you got anything going on? Yeah, I uh, that audiobook I was working on for quite a while, it's finally out. You can listen to it. It's called No King, No Country. It's by a guy named Wayne Grant. Uh, it's narrated by myself. So if you want to check that out, uh, go to Audible or iTunes or on Amazon. Nice. Evan, what you got going on these days? Uh, so... Um, I had taken a little break from performance art there for a minute, but uh, I decided that in honor of this uh, new campaign we're setting on, uh, I am going to be exposing myself to dangerous levels of gamma radiation for uh, no other benefit than the clout on the internet. And uh, I'll be recording uh, and chronicling my adventure on TikTok. So you can find me over there. Nice. What's your handle on TikTok? Uh, I haven't made it yet, so you actually have to follow me on Twitter for when I announce my TikTok handle. But I haven't made my Twitter, so you have to go to my YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't have it any other way. And JP, what you got going on? Uh, I'm just practicing my yodeling for when I hit my big break. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that debut single. And as soon as it's ready, we'll be sure to plug it here on the podcast. JP's really good. Like, not only does he have his own yodeling style, but he does a killer Franza Long impression. The best part of that whole thing is I don't even know who that guy is. I just happen to sound like him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's incredible. How all of the, all the <laughs> best discoveries happen completely by accident. Thanks for joining us here in the world of the Fallout Back. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I have been joined by... Caleb Anderton, your dingo who is not a dog. Evan Peterson, uh, your multi-billionaire, but only in his fantasies. Justin Porter, your father of two beautiful boys. Much love and stuff. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop.